Have you ever found yourself wondering about the role that Canadians played in old-time radio? Well, wonder no more. During the next 60 minutes, we'll delve into the careers of actors, writers, and directors who went abroad to find work, as well as those who stayed right here in Canada. Join me as together we explore Canadians in old-time radio. Devin Wilkins, founder and president of CATRA, the Canadian Old Time Radio Alliance, and I'm very happy to be able to share more Canadians in old time radio with you. Let's go right away to our Made in Canada segment with a show called Mystery Theater, not to be confused with the Mystery Theater presented by the CBS Network. This is Mystery Theater from 1967. Mystery Theater presents The Cable Car Incident, the story of a humble man and his battle with fear, by Frederick Spurley, starring Warren Wilson as Alfred and John Sullivan as Pat. Uh, I'm a meek man. I'm a humble man and... I admit a coward. Uh, that actually, uh, being a coward, I mean, is a, a point in my favor. And tomorrow I... Uh, I guess I better make sense. You see, when it became clear yesterday that I hadn't much of a chance in court, a profound feeling of fearlessness came over me. Oh, don't misunderstand. My fearlessness was not roaring like a bloodthirsty lion. By all means, no. Rather, my fear had... Wept itself to sleep. So I went to the gentleman who was in charge of this radio studio I'm in, and I said, Sir, my name is Alfred Breen. The gentleman said to me, Are you the Alfred Breen? And by the tone of his voice, I could tell that he, too, was taken in by the nasty stories the newspapers printed about me. So I said, Sir, I would like to talk to as many people as possible. I'd like to tell the truth about the whole affair. You know, the way it really happened. The gentleman says to me, You have the trial to do that. I says, Who had ate the same? You see, them, them lawyers put words in my mouth. But I'd like to tell what really happened. Now the gentleman smiles and he says, My good man, before we can consider your offer, you have to give us some idea of the subject you're going to broadcast and how you're going to handle it. Well, that makes sense. And I admitted it to him, but I says to him, But, sir, on the other hand, I says, Why don't you give a guy like me a chance to talk? I mean, I'm not an educated man, but I'm no dirt either, I says. Well, the gentleman said that he could see my mistake. Well, he says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a studio and a microphone and hire a couple of actors for you, and you try your best with them. Well, here we are, then. And we're going to play-act the whole thing out for you, so, so you'll understand my story. Uh, now, the, uh, the tall one here is going to impersonate Pat. His name is John Sullivan. And the, the old man there owns the cable car station. He's the real one. He had to come down for the trial as a witness. Cyril, he's called. His wife isn't here, though. She had to mind the business back home. So the uh, gentleman hired a Miss Beth Lockerbie. Oh, oh, yes, the police never found the student. So a young kid by the name of... Uh, uh, what's your name again? Tony Brown. Yeah, he got the job to act his part. Pat and me were tired that hot summer day since we'd been hunting all day in the Rockies when we saw the station. Look, that's the cable car there. I don't trust those well, I trust anything that'll save us five hours walking. Yeah, but that thing was one down and one. Suicide traffic, you ask me. Without you worry, these cars are government inspectors. You want inspector would come up here. Look at that shack. It's just held together by the cobwebs. We're riding the car, not the shack. 
Let's go inside, see if anybody's around. Hello? Anybody here? There's nobody around, and am I glad. Hey, look at that motor. Boy, two years older than God. Dirt. I wonder if it'll even work. Hey, why are you fooling with that motor? That's private property, you government new person. No, we're not from the government, lady. We're just looking for a ride. Not me. Oh, all right. Well, I guess you'll have to wait for a spell. So Cyril gets back to the gas for the weekend trade. He's due any minute now. Well, can't you work the machine? I'd like to get out of my way. Well, I can work her all right, but there's a trick to stopping her. The zero's real handy at it. I might run her into the other station up there, and then he wouldn't stand for me busting the car. What did I tell you? It's unsafe. You heard her say it needs all kinds of tricks to operate it? You're darn right it needs all kinds of tricks, but Cyril's got it all figured out. <laughs> well, that's you now. I... Cyril! Cyril! Customers! Thursday? Customers on a Thursday, huh? Howdy. All right. Looking for a ride? All right. Uh, I'll have to charge you two bits more than ordinary fare, because you don't pay to run it for just two folks. You take it from the living and not from the dead, eh? Well, that's right. I'm going to you can walk. I ain't run the cable car from hell. I'm not arguing. I'm just making money when she doesn't run, because that's the only time I don't lose anything. <laughs> well, we just keep it up as a public service, don't we, Sarah? That's a fact. I want a dollar apiece, and that's still mighty cheap riding, take it or leave it. Oh. Is it safe? What do you mean, is it safe? Of course it's safe. No offense. That motor doesn't look like a new model to me. Let me tell you something about motors, and that one in particular. Listen good now. You might learn a useful trick or two. Oh, Cyril's a regular wizard when it comes to motors. This here motor has run for 20 years without any trouble causing its pre-war quality, because these parts are made by hand and fitted by hand. It's none of them modern assembly line junk. You mean to tell me that in 20 years you never overhauled that motor? Why should we, lad? Why should we? What's the sense of taking apart what runs perfect? Oh, we paint her every spring, though. Yeah, and that costs us 80 cents a gallon. All right. Here's my dollar. Thanks. Alfred, come on, give him the dog. I ain't gonna ride. You ain't, eh? Okay, I'll ride. I'm tired. Nice buddy you are. I'm not buddy enough to walk five hours just because you're a chicken. I ain't chicken. I'm just using my brain, and my brain tells me a machine is bound to break down if you don't give it proper oh, attention. Oh, for Pete's sake, Alfie. Well, boys, you going or not? Let's get to Pete. Well, have you got any safety devices? Safety? Give him a parachute. <laughs> <laughs> that parachute. That's a good one. Did you hear that, Missy? Give him a parachute, she said. <laughs> Come on into the car, I'll tell you. Oh, no, no, no. You don't get in before I got the dog. Uh, oh, all right. Here it is, then. <laughs> Thanks. Now, come on in. I see this box here. When you press the button, you can talk to me. And when you release it, I can talk to you. Well, that helps a lot to talk to you. But what if the cable's Shut up, fell? Don't get out on the other side before you hear me say so. Enjoy your ride. Worth it. Take place, Missy. Okay. Ready? I'll let her go. <laughs> Another customer, eh? Well, you'll have to wait till she's over to the other side. Can't haul her back now. Watch your go, lad. She stopped. She never did that before. You got her in gear, Missy? Sure, sure I have. What's the matter, Sarah? What will upon? I don't know. I to think I wanted to get on. Oh, my guardian angel must have been watching over me. There's nothing wrong with that machine, mister. She's run like a clock for 20 years. Yeah, but right now she's in the middle of a run, stuck a thousand feet in the air. I don't know why. First time she's done a thing like that to me. Hey, why are we stopping? What's the matter? Come on, old boy, let's get going. Don't you fret. We'll have her running in a jiffy. Who's out there? Oh, a couple of city slickers who bargained the fare down. 
It's going to cost you two dollars, though, since you're alone. Well, don't you think you should get it going first? Yeah, you, you got something there. Oh, I know what it is. Must be the split, I'll bet you. I'll just get under the car. Can I help you, Cyril? Time to feed the goats. Go and look after them. Not much you can do here. Oh, all right. Just call her and say, Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you. It's the sprint, all right. Do you have another? Yeah, I'll have to get it from Bill down the valley. I'll have it run in a couple of hours. <laughs> What's so funny? Well, I was just thinking about those two men out there. They'll be kind of seasick bobbing around in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> Guess they'll want their money back. But no deal. Says on the board, no refund. Well, I would assume they'd be glad to get out of the car and forget about the money. Yeah, I don't know. Look, uh, why don't you talk to them out there to calm them down while I'm gone? One was as scared as a rabbit. Just press that button here, see, and then they can hear you. I won't be long. Hello. Hello, you out there. Can you hear me? Yeah. What the hell is going on? Now you tell the old codger to get going. We can't sit here all day. Are you scared? What is it? Anything the matter with the machine? Listen, I have bad news for you. I hope you can take it. Bad news? What do you mean? Oh, shut up. Let me count. What are you talking about? Who are you? Never mind who I am. Listen carefully. The cable can't support the weight. The cable can't support the weight? What are we supposed to do? Are you two friends? Friends? Why? One of you has to make the supreme sacrifice for the other. What nonsense are you talking? There's a chance, mind you, just a slight chance, that the cable will hold if one of you jumps. Unless... Unless what? Unless you want to climb down along the cable. Oh, that's impossible. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? What are you hollering for? You don't need to holler into the box. The intercom blanked out. Oh, where's Gerald? Oh, he went to get a splint or something down in the valley. Oh, <laughs> he'll be gone for a long time. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Oh, I scared those two out there. Oh, boy, did I scare them. What did you tell them? Well, I told them one has to jump. I don't think that's funny at all. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you, kid. Now what are we going to do? Oh, if only Sarah was here, we could... What's the matter? Something happened? Oh, the intercom coughed out, and then this young fool scared the wits out of those two guys up in the car. No, it was just a joke. Oh, just tell them. Ma said one of them had to jump out. Oh, fine. Then, and if they believed you, what then, smart oh, Listen, those fellas out there have had dreams of big adventures from their boyhood days, of sacrifice for their honor. Yeah, but what happened to them? They left lives of mice, insignificant mice. Why, do you know them? Don't interrupt the flow of my inspiration, you darn fool. There's no telling what'll happen to him now. I don't take it so seriously. They won't believe me. Well, there's no it's telling ridiculous. what a scared man will do. Do you know what fear does to a man? Do you know what fear is? Listen, this will be the big adventure of their lives. Something to brag about to their grandchildren. No, and the intercom out of order. Go ahead and yell to him. You got a good voice. Go ahead and holler, lad. Oh. Maybe they'll hear you, but I doubt it. If you get me a screwdriver, Ellen, I'll try to fix the intercom. Oh, all right, all right. You will go ahead and holler, lad. You can stop him from jumping. Oh. Hello. 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 Don't jump. Don't jump. Hello. Do you hear me? Don't jump. It's no use. It's dead. I told you something was going to happen. I told you. You'll have to jump. Now, keep your shirt on. It's a joke, I'm sure. Why would anyone make a joke like that? It wasn't the old man talking to us. I say it's no joke. I say it is. We're still here, aren't we? The cable didn't break, did it? We didn't fall yet. A cable like this doesn't break like a string. It breaks strand by strand. It'll take an hour or more. Okay, then. So jump, for God's sake. No, no, no. You're jumping. I was the one who didn't want to come, remember? Well, now we're both in it, and that's that. Now, let's wait and see. Maybe the car will get going. Isn't this car going anywhere but down? So jump! 
You funny little squirt. What do you mean by ordering me? Let's talk it over. Listen now. I'm listening. Let's figure out who's going to jump. Okay, toss a coin. Heads or tails? No, no. It's much too serious a decision to flip for. What then? See who's more willing to live. You want to blame me again for being here? No dice, Mr. No, no, no. As I said. How can you say who is more valuable, who has more right to live, as you put it? I can see which one of us has more responsibilities. Because a man is over his ears in debt doesn't make him more valuable. I ain't in debt. I have a big family. So? What do you mean, so? I mean, that means nothing. That means everything. If you have a hundred kids, that doesn't make you any better than any other man. But the kids need a father. That makes me important and responsible. Can I tell you that the number of kids he has doesn't make a man more valuable? Well, how, how do you rate a man then? Well, I'd say how he, uh, how he does in his trade. Every man in a job can be replaced. The craft is just part of it. But I'm working on an invention. Yeah. What, what kind of an invention? A new vacuum cleaner that will polish floors, too. It's nothing. It's just a new gadget. It'll make millions. So it'll make millions. Does it make you important? Someone else will invent that, but, but, but a father can't be replaced. Now, you're always harping on your father, Dick. Okay, now, let's see just what kind of a father you are. I work hard. My, my kids are never hungry. My, my wife is happy. Now, that's just a lot of talk. Now, listen, let me tell you how a man can be rated. A man is rated by what he means to society and what society means to him. Take a man like me, who's going to invent a vacuum cleaner that polishes Factories are going to be built. People will find work. Taxes are paid, which help the country. That is the real value of America. No, society begins and ends with a family, I say. How many in your family? Eight. Counting my wife and kids and me. Well, there you are. If you die, there'll be a widow and six orphans. The state will take care of them, and three years from now, they won't even remember you. Now, look at me. If I keep on living, maybe 500 people or more will find work. People have more money in their pockets. Now, that's the value of America. But if you'd invented some medicine or, or something like that, would say something for cancer, then I'd go along with you, but a gadget, no! Alfie, I don't like the way you take our discussion. Nobody's going to jump. We'll be safe and sound, both of us, or we'll both fall. Huh. So you do believe we're in danger? I don't believe that any one of us has to jump. You're just scared of death. I ain't scared of death! Well, maybe not of death, but of dying. If you were such a hero, why don't you jump then? Because I value life. Yours and mine alike. Yours a bit more, of course. Now listen to me, chicken. The cable car weighs around a ton. Do you think my 240 pounds makes much difference? Or your lousy 150? But we gotta do something! I I don't wanna die! Well? But you said yourself you believe what the man said. Oh. Well, you can at least listen! Talk, then! Let's, let's do it all over again. I mean, settle your ship, John. No, no, don't, don't interrupt me. We'll, we'll wait. We both will know when the time's come. Uh, you've been thinking the time has come ever since the car stopped. No, no. Let's fix a point on, on that rock over there. You know, we'll just sit in the exact position and aim the window sill against that point. You know, the cable slackens and the car is swaying. That doesn't matter. It swings regular. No, it don't. Ah, it's, it's not! This time, this time we're going to be serious about who jumps. Well, I suppose we'll have to decide again on a standard by which we're going to measure a man's worth, and a, that we never agree. Oh, yes, yes. I thought of something which should be agreeable to both of us. Yeah? What? What man does the most with his life, considering all the difficulties and handicaps? I don't like it. Why not? Because only good is good. No matter how hard a guy tries, if what he does is not good, it... It's not good. Maybe, but my idea is a standard, ain't it? I guess so. Hey, I... I don't think the car is uh, sagging anymore. It's amazingly gone down a quarter of an inch. I'm not too sure that it really went down. Well, I think so. You're afraid to lose our contract. <laughs> oh, shoot, shoot. Make your case. I'm not a roaring success because... Because I'm a meek man. I'm a humble man. I'm not very brave. So it ain't easy for me to live with myself. 
In the world we live in, the phonies and ruckians seem to get the upper hand. You go on like that and our contest will be won by the one who can find the best excuse for himself. I'm not making excuses. I'm stating facts. Facts I have to live with. But I was condemned to a life of misery. To be pushed around by people who are stronger than me. Oh, boy. Oh, I ain't crying. I don't feel sorry for myself no more. I says I am as I am, baby. I'm Now, remember when I told you that I'm not afraid of death? Look, that ain't no lie. I can prove it. But I was... Oh, it was quite some time ago. In a strange town, see? It was a rest stop for the bus. I was traveling from Montreal to Vancouver, and I couldn't sleep. It was kind of hot in a full moon. I don't sleep right when there's a full moon. So I went for a walk, see? And I saw a hearse pulled by a horse. So I followed it without thinking. Stopped in front of an old stone house. Well, the driver goes in, and then he comes out, carrying a plain coffin with another man helping him. What struck me was a meager wreath on top of that shabby coffin. Not more than ten or twelve inches in diameter. What's that got to do with not being afraid of death? Well... Oh, I did it ever shake me. There, there was something about it. How should I say, like, like a stop in a garbage rock. Well, up to now, you haven't made a good case for staying alive. Yeah, I, I sort of lost the thread. But, you know, I, I had a trade. Yeah, I know. We were both laid off together when the diesels came in. Oh, look at me. I'm a foreman in a machine shop now, and you're just a laborer with some lousy outfit. See now who is the uh, better man. Just don't have your self-confidence. Because deep down, you know you have nothing to be confident of. Have you? As sure as the sun rises in the morning. You know, when I have to look for work, I have to talk to all those strange people I don't know of. I'm ashamed. It's as if I had a bad conscience. That's because you can't take any pride in yourself. But you worked with me. You know I was as good in my trade as the best of them. I'm not lazy. I'm willing to work, and I can work. You know that. Look, buddy, a man isn't a machine. A man has to be a bit popular. I know you know yourself what it means. Is it my fault if I'm shy? You have to adapt yourself. That's part of being good and valuable. I raised my family honestly. Oh, don't start that. Look, it's Luke. Did you hear it? Did you hear a creak? We aren't going to survive. Jump! Look, Jump! look, look, Al. I've had about enough of you. You wanted to prove to me that you have more right to live than I have. It isn't true. It's just that my family needs me. Scared, scared. That's what you are, a yellow rat. I'll tell you now by what standard a man can be measured. The one that is the fittest to survive any given situation. Now, don't be scared. I won't do it. But if I wanted to, I could knock you out and throw you out of that window like a bundle of rags. It isn't true. It isn't true. You want me to try? It isn't true. Just the bullies have a right to live. Well, don't press your luck, Buster. I had some sort of liking for you once, but today I sure changed my mind. Just wanted me to worship you. No. I'm not nuts. It's you with your smart alecness who got us into this mess. I told you it wasn't safe. You think if you licked everybody and everything. Well, now you just try it like this one. I didn't drag you aboard. Why did you follow me? As a matter of fact, if you hadn't come, the car wouldn't be overloaded. See? You admit I was right all the time. Oh, nonsense. Oh, you always wanted to be the leader. You were always a big shot. Well, now they'll do it and show me, poor coward, how, how a strong man like you dies bravely, shaming a failure like me. Shut up! You're so scared you're crazy. I don't know why they don't have a back window on these cabs. Here, let me open it and see if I can look back to the shack. I can't see nothing. Hey, give me a hand so I can lean out further. Yeah, there's a, there's a guy standing there making signs. What kind of signs? He points down and then he waves his arms. No, no, it means we have no time to lose. But why don't you call him? Hello? Hello? Hey! Hey! And you're so good.
Bill's boy coming from the valley. He'll be here at Splint in five minutes. Hey, look up there. One of the fellows is crawling out of the car. Well, I hope for your sake he doesn't jump. Yeah. Oh, no. No, look. The other guy just pushed him out. I'm getting out of here. I swear I didn't push him. I swear. He just slipped. Oh, maybe I was a trifle clumsy trying to help him to see the shack, but well, the car swung like a ship and my foothold wasn't too steady. I couldn't grab him in time. Oh, you were there? Did you see me push him? I didn't see anything. Where was your wife? In the shack. There was just that young punk who claims to have seen me pushing Pat. But I ask you, why did he run away then? I'll tell you why. He knew it was his fault, and he wanted to leave me holding the bag. Isn't that it? I don't know. I didn't see it. The gentleman who is in charge of the radio studio sits with another man and a policeman behind a soundproof picture window. And some man behind a machine which has a record player on it and tapes where he can make every noise you can think of. Well, you heard yourself how he made the mountains and the cable car. I, I try to talk to the microphone as, as if it were a human being. You, for example. A good friend who patiently listens like you who sit before your radios on so many evenings and the radio loses its shape and becomes a human face. I try to build an invisible bridge from my loneliness to your loneliness and in the middle of that bridge we meet. That, that gives me strength for tomorrow when my case comes up in court and I have to be strong and self-confident so the jury will believe me. I go to prison. Who would look after my family? The Cable Car Incident by Frederick Spurley With Warren Wilson as Alfred John Sullivan as Pat and Anthony Brown as the student. Jack Creeley and Beth Lockerbie were heard as the old caretaker and his wife. Sound effects by John Sliz. Technical operation, John Skillen. This was a mystery theater presentation from Toronto. Thank goodness for people with foresight who preserved shows like that, don't you think? Let's move on now to our Canadians Abroad segment. And the first episode of a show called Texaco Town, starring Eddie Cantor. This show features two very young Canadians, Bobby Breen, who was born in Montreal, and Deanna Durbin, who was born in Winnipeg. Here now is Texaco Town from September 9th, 1936. Down. The 45,000 dealers who serve you with fire chief gasoline and other Texaco products present his honor the mayor, Eddie Cantor. Here he is. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and all you people who have driven up here in this Greyhound bus. Consider yourselves my personal guests. And let me tell you, let me tell you, when you drive through our town, You'll meet a lot of your old friends. Over there at the service station is your old favorite, Jimmy Wallington. See him? Hiya, Jimmy. I'll see you on the way back. And the music, the music that you're hearing comes from the bandstand. That's Jack Renard and his orchestra. And every Sunday night, there's a concert in Texaco Park. Don't forget that. Say, Mayor... 
Is that Texaco gas really as good as they say it is? Well, all I know is this. Two weeks ago, Ida's father, he's 72 years old, was getting a massage, and by mistake, the masseur used Texaco gasoline instead of alcohol. My father-in-law disappeared for 10 days. <laughs> well, well, what happened to him? We finally found him running a race with Jesse Owens, and the old man was six laps ahead. <laughs> Your Honor... Your Honor, what are you doing about unemployment? Well, in Texaco town, there's work for everybody. If any of you need a job, speak up now. Senor Mayor, I just come from Tijuana, and I would like job. Oh, you're a Mexican. Si. And you want work? Si, si. What kind of work would you like? Government job. Ah, si, si, si. Gracias, Mayor. You're a gentleman. Oh, Mayor Cantor is always a gentleman. Oh, are you leaving? Oh, yes. I have to go in and send a wire of congratulations to those great flyers, Harry Richmond and Dick Merrill. Oh, gee, I'd give anything to find out why they crashed. Look, I'll tell you, but don't tell anything. Look, I'll tell you just what happened. I found out that coming into Nova Scotia, they passed the lighthouse and a beam of light hit Richmond full in the face while he was at the control. A beam of light? You mean it blinded him? No, no. Richmond, being an actor, thought it was a spotlight, stood up, took three bows, and there was the plane. <laughs> Mayor Cantor, always the oh, gentleman. Mr. I think he's cute. I'm going to give him a great big kiss. Oh, no, please, madam. Not, oh, Matt, Matt, don't, don't, please, please. please. Look out, look out with that umbrella. Oh. oh, I'm so sorry. I tore off the back of your pants. That's all right. Mayor Cantor, the perfect gentleman. I always give my seat to a lady. <laughs> I never expected that I'd be elected the mayor of Texaco Town. In things governmental, I'm not sentimental, but the news almost made me break down. So while I'm the one to rejoice, you'll all be repaid for your choice. Pause. If you lack enjoyment or don't have employment, there's one man who won't let you down. Your cares will be over. He'll put you in clover. Who? The mayor of Texaco Town. Each pretty wife, here's the chance of your life, dears. If your man makes love like a clown, we'll send someone able to kiss like La Gable. Who? The mayor of Texaco Now here's no baloney. Ask Mr. Dion, he will tell you how he got renowned. He'll say we five daughters, cause somebody taught us. Who? The mayor of Texaco Now Texaco gas is the best for the masses And even for those with a crown When you find it pays more There'll soon be a raise for Who? The mayor of Texaco Town Jimmy Wallington, we're back together again. Uh, well, how do you like working for your new firm? Great. And isn't it marvelous the way they put those life-size pictures of me in front of their filling station? I saw those, Eddie. Yeah, but it's embarrassing. Why? Right under the picture of Eddie Cant that says, step up and get five gals. Oh. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen. Listen, Eddie, are you going to start with those jokes about your daughters again? You did it all last year. Yeah, well, what's wrong with that? Well, I figured on this program you would change your oil. Yep. Not bad, not bad, Jimmy Look, you're a great booster for this company, aren't you? Oh, yes, I should be, I'm a super salesman Oh, everybody knows that Everybody knows I'm a super salesman? Super salesman? I thought you said stupid salesman (laughs) (laughs) Well, you must admit that I know how to sell gasoline My education has taught me how to handle words Jimmy, look, words aren't as important as the expression you put into them No, what do you mean? For instance, look, if a fella says to a girl, I love you, babe that means the guy wants to buy the girl a soda and squeeze it out of her on the way home. You oh, see? I see. But if the same fella says, darling, I love you. I love you, I tell you. I love you. Wait a minute, Jim. Wait a minute, Wallington. What are you kissing me for? <laughs> see, Eddie even had me fooled. <laughs> there you are, you see? It's all in the expression you put into words. In fact, if I didn't use words at all, you'd understand what I mean. I don't get you. Look. We'll play a sketch where we use only the letters of the alphabet and you'll know exactly what we mean by our expression. All right, go ahead. I'll present three characters, a woman, her husband, and the husband's best friend. When the scene opens, the best friend is trying to persuade the wife to elope with him. The husband comes in unexpectedly, shoots the wife, the friend, and then shoots himself. And you're going to do all this by just using the letters of the alphabet? Yes, all right. Now, here's the wife and the husband's best friend. Listen. A, D. C, D. E, F. G. H-I. J-K-L-M-N. Oh, 
P-Q-R-S-T. U? V. W-X-Y-Z, eh? Um, B-C-D. E-F. G. H-I-J-K. L. M N O P Q R. S. Oh, ABC. D. E F. G. H I J K L M N. Oh, P Q R S T U. B W X Y Z. A B C. P F G H I. J-K-L-M-N. to meet the genial maestro, Jack Renard. <laughs> now, now listen, Jack. Last time you were on the air, you were with Burns and Allen. They're very good friends of mine, but I don't like one thing. They had no business to kid you about being fat. You won't have it on this program. Oh, thanks. Why should George Burns say that when, that when you worked with him, it was easy money? He was living off the fat of the land. I would never say that, Jack. I would never say that. Thanks. That's all right. That's all you right. You know, here. they made me very nervous. Nervous? You mean when you were conducting the orchestra? Yeah. I always got a pumping in my stomach. Well, Gracie told me it wasn't nervousness, Jack. She said the drummer was so nearsighted, he kept hitting you because he thought you were the bass drum. But I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't say that, Jack. Oh, thanks. Don't mention it. You know, I'm going over to rehearse with the Fireman's Glee Club, Jack. And if I catch any of them saying something about your shape... Uh, but, Eddie, I'm built in proportion. Certainly, Jack. For a big guy, you're cute. You really are, you know? Why, even Wallington said you're built in proportion. He said twice around your wrist is once around your forearm, twice around your forearm is once around your waist, and twice around your waist is once around Yellowstone Park. I'll see you. Thanks. Hiya, Jimmy. Hello, Mac. 
Where'd you leave your bus? I dropped the people at the bandstand and left the bus at the parking lot. So, you know, I did a little detective work in that parking lot today. <laughs> what did you find out, Sherlock? <laughs> I was amazed at the number of cars from other states. No. Yes. You know, I walked up to a man in a car with Maine license plates on it, and I asked him point blank which gasoline he was using. Really? Yes. He told me he'd come all the way from Portland, Maine, and used nothing but fire chief. No. And then I spied a young fellow driving a car from Michigan. <laughs> what about the young fellow from Michigan, James? Well, I asked him the same question. Fire chief, he said. That made it two in a row. Then I asked one from Arizona, from Pennsylvania, and so on. In all, I spoke to about 20 drivers, each from a different state. And the majority of them told me they were using fire chiefs. Well, that checked with what the manager of the parking lot had told me. He had said, by far, more tourists use Texaco fire chiefs than any other gasoline. There must be a reason for that. Sure. It's because motorists today recognize that modern high-speed engines call for a modern, fast-firing gasoline. Today, a gasoline has to take the spark has to drive pistons home with full power in one one-hundredth of a second. That calls for lightning action, the kind of action you get with Texaco Fire Chief, the emergency-grade gasoline. Improved, better than ever, it delivers the full power, flashing pickup, lightning action that fire engines and ambulances must have. Remember, Fire Chief does more than just start your car and run it. It starts it faster, runs it better. And because full power is economical power, Fire Chief saves you money. Ladies and gentlemen, the Fireman's Glee Club and the mayor will sing the popular swing song, Bye Bye Baby. Bye Bye Baby, will you save your love for me? Sweetie Pie, now don't you cry, just say bye bye. Bye Bye Baby, got a little kiss for me. Hug me nice and kiss me twice and say bye-bye. I'm gonna send a letter telling you where I am, dear. And then when things get better, I'm gonna send a telegram to you. Bye-bye, baby. Won't you leave me awfully be? Bidi-da-da-dum, dee-da-da-dum. Bye-bye, baby. Say bye-bye. My train will leave at eight. I'm worried I'll be late. Say that you love me just once more. I'll just be gone a while. So let me see you smile. Hold me tight and whisper au revoir. Bye-bye, baby. Will you save your love for me? Sweetie pie, now don't you cry. Just say bye-bye. Bye-bye, baby. Got a little kiss for me. Hug me nice and kiss me twice and say bye-bye. I'm gonna send a letter telling you where I am, dear. And then when things get better, I'm gonna send a telegram to you. Bye-bye, baby. I'll be lonely as can be. Sweetie pie, now don't you cry. Oh, my, my baby. Say bye-bye. She's gone. Park your carcass has been looking for you. He's got a copy of the newspaper he's printing. Park your carcass. Where? Oh, here he is. Come in, Park your carcass. Come in with you. Hello, Mayor. Park your carcass. I've got to talk to you. Well, make it snappy because I ain't got no place to go. Yep. <laughs> look, look. You just printed the first edition of your newspaper now. Did you put in that advertisement for Texaco? Not yet. Say, you know something, Eddie Scranton? I don't like that stuff no more. You don't like Texaco? Why not? I don't know. It's got a funny taste now. Yep. And besides, you can't hardly keep it on your toothbrush. Yep. Wait, toothbrush? What a park your carcass. We're not with Pebico anymore. This is Texaco. Texaco? What's that? Gas. Gas. Why should I gas? Can't you tell me? No, no. <laughs> I'm telling you. Look at Texaco is a fuel, and they got me to sell it. Boy, they must be a fool if they got you to sell it. Why? <laughs> But what are they doing to the toothpaste? No, 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 no. Look, you're thinking of Pabico. This is Texaco. There's X. There's X in it. Fresh X? No, no. Look, look, let me explain. It's Texaco. T-E. Oh, it's T. First it was coffee, then toothpaste. Now it's T. No, no, no. Oh, Will you let me explain it? What? Texaco is not toothpaste. 
Texaco has 45,000 stations. Boy, I wouldn't want to be a conductor in that line. <laughs> this has nothing to do with a railroad. They're gasoline stations, and Texaco gives me 20 miles to the gallon. That's nothing. I get 150 miles to one gallon of gas. Wait a minute. You get 150 miles to one gallon of gas? How? Well, I put one gallon of gas in my car, I put my car in the garage, and I drive around in my brother's car. <laughs> oh, will you leave me alone? Go and print the ad about Texaco. Okay, Duffy. Is that the way you spell it here? No, no, no. You wrote down Texas. It's Texaco. Co. Remember, you've got a co there. Well, when you've got a co, you've got a co. Go away. You've got a co. Boy, you are one dope. Believe That's me. That's a fine way to talk to the next president of the United States. What is it? President? You're going to be the next president? You said it, boy. I got my slogan already. Yeah? Archiacacus in the White House. Yep. Caucus in the White House. What chance have you got? Don't you know that I ran for president on the radio in 1932 and I couldn't get elected? You done smell it. Certainly. Don't you remember my campaign song? Right. Oh, when I'm the president, when I'm the president, I'll take the action taxes when I'm the president. Hey, that's good. And don't you remember? We want canter, we want. Don't you remember that? Yeah. And you know something? What? That fits me too. Yeah. Look. Parque carcass in the White House. No, no, it's nothing like it. Say, why is it you're done be elected in 1932? Well, I didn't have a regular platform. I was running on a ticket of wit. Oh, well, how could you expect to get in on a half ticket? Go away <laughs> I resent that, Parky. Now, listen to me. If you love your job, respect his honor, and obey me. Love, honor, obey? My name is Parque Carcass, not either. Yep. <laughs> oh, will you leave my wife out of it, Parky? You'll be in enough trouble with your politics, believe Say, me. Say, I got plenty trouble already. Yep. Last week, a dentist put two teeth in my mouth that was made from the tusks of an elephant. Wait a minute. You have elephants? You have elephants' teeth and that gets you into trouble? Yeah, all day long I go around biting Democrats. Yep. I want to tell you, no wonder they chased you out of Greece. Yeah, they don't chase me out of Greece. One of the biggest heroes there. You were a hero? What happened? In the Greek Navy? Yeah, what Saved happened? over 3,000 Greeks from being drowned. Oh, tell me about it. Go ahead. I was on a Greek boat, and the boat started to leak. Yes. Nobody knew what to do except me. What did you do? I ran up quick in the radio room, and I sent out a PWA. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Not a PWA. You send out an SOS. Save our ship. No, PWA. Park your carcass wants assistance. Oh, get off it. Get off Again? I can't run that newspaper myself. I got an editor, and who do you think it is? Who? I'll give you three guesses, and if you don't say your son Bobby the third time, I won't tell you. Well, wait a minute. Is it, is it Bobby? Who told you? Yep. Here's Bobby now. Oh, Bobby! Come on, you Hello, Bobby. Hello, Daddy. Are you the editor of the newspaper? Not exactly. I only give advice to the lovelorn. That's fine. And how do you get the answers to give to the lovelorn? From the letters you sent, Ida. Yep. Mm -hmm. wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Bobby, you mean to say you're printing all those letters in the paper? Not all of them, Daddy. Well, thank heavens. Some I sold to true confession. <laughs> what? Don't get excited. I'm only using your name. Well, yes. And instead of using Ida, I changed it to Simone Simone. Simone Simone. The French actress Bobby. That's terrible. For misbehaving like that, I'm going to cut off your weekly allowance. That gives me a headline for tomorrow's paper. What headline? Mayor Cantor's only son on relief. <laughs> oh, Bobby, will you do me a favor? Forget park your carcass and the newspaper business, will you? Daddy, I'd better stick to singing, huh? That's right, son. Look. Why don't you sing the number you introduced in your picture, Let's Sing Again, while Jack Renard does things on his fiddle, huh? Let's sing again There's music in your heart But you must do your part Let's sing again I'm happy when
Your voice is still all right. Now, someday I hope to see you in opera. No opera for me, thanks. I'm going to be a fire chief. A fire chief? Yep, because her father's one. Wait a minute. Who? who whose father? Deanna, my girl. Deanna? You mean the fire chief's daughter? Yes, Daddy. I'm in love. Oh. <laughs> Again, this is the fourth time. Well, all those other romances were just puppy love. Yeah. I was only a kid. A kid? Oh, sure, a kid. <laughs> But it's the real thing now. Yes. We're getting married. Married? Daddy, love is the most wonderful emotion. It changes one's entire outlook on life. Yes. It makes me wish I had my youth again. <laughs> Bobby, what next? I don't know. I'm only up to the fourth chapter. Oh. You don't want to marry Deanna, Bobby. She's so busy with her singing lessons. Besides, she's 13. And you're only nine. Think. She's four years older than you. Oh, she's trying to rob the cradle, huh? <laughs> Look, you better call off the wedding, Bobby, for now, anyway, huh? All right, call her in, Daddy. All right, Deanna. Oh, Deanna. Hello, Bobby. Hello, Mayor Campbell. Deanna, go ahead, tell her. Deanna, I've got some bad news for you. What is it, Bobby? Me and my old man were just talking. Yes. And we figured out we can't marry you. We can't marry... Don't make me a partner. Wait a minute. We can't marry I wouldn't get married until after I'd become an opera singer anyway. Look who sings opera. Oh, yeah? Well, I've made a hit with El Bacho. Flirting with a foreigner, huh? No, bo no, no, Bobby. No, that's not a... Il Bacio is a song. Deanna, you can sing a classic like Il Bacio, and you're only 13 years old. I'd love to hear you. May I try it? Please do. <laughs> Rock, 
see, Bobby, how nice that classical music is? Not much swing to it. <clears throat> what? You want swing and opera? Oh, anybody can sing opera. Come on, Pop. Let you and me knock something over. All right. <clears throat> La donna mobile, qual più malvento, muta de cento. E di pensiero, sempre un amabile, lei già proviso. In pianto un riso e menzognero. La donna immobile, qual più malvento, muta de cento. Eddie Pension. Not bad at these prices. Eddie Pension. If you will buy the fire ship, we will appreciate it very much. It has the lightning action. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you enjoyed your trip through Texaco Town. As mayor, I'm inviting you to come every Sunday and bring your friends. To those of you who can't be here in person, I extend the key to the city, which is the dial on your radio. And if you like these programs, drive around and thank the man who makes them possible, your neighborhood Texaco dealer. And remember, I love to spend... As friend to friend, I'm sorry it's true. I'm telling you just how I feel. I hope you feel that way too. Let's make a day for next Sunday night. I'm here to stay, will be my delight. To sing again, bring again the things you want me to. I love to spend each Sunday with you. Cantor in Texaco Town will come to you again next Sunday evening at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope you'll be able to tune in next week as well. Until then, have a wonderful week. Bye for now. If you've enjoyed the shows you've heard during the past hour, be sure to tune in again next week, same time, same station, when once again, we'll listen to programs that are remembered today thanks to the involvement of Canadians in old-time radio. This is Devin Wilkins speaking.